The following is a conversation with Andrew Howard. Andrew is the Chief Business Development Officer of Bitcoin Reserve and is an ex-Marine who has become a person to see the philosophy of anarchy. Andrew and I met at Jiu-Jitsu and our friendship has been a glorious fight ever since. Please enjoy my conversation with Andrew Howard. Andrew, welcome to Gaiganomics. And I want to ask you, what do you think Bitcoin is? Uh, well, so there's not uh, one clear definition of what Bitcoin is, but uh, a few ways I could describe it are, uh, or I'd say the best way is to describe it would be the most superior and efficient savings technology on the planet. Um, and Bitcoin is essentially a free market alternative to the money that human beings have been forced to use uh, for quite a long time, which is fiat currencies. Um, I describe people, uh, I, I describe Bitcoin to people in a way that uh, I basically use the example of, let's say, uh, there was only one company to buy a car from, right? There was a monopoly on the manufacturing of cars people probably wouldn't like the product they're getting because they would have, you know, probably a car that didn't last a long time. Um, they would have uh, poor customer service. It would be really expensive because there's no uh, competition. There's no incentive for that car manufacturer to produce a better product. And this is literally the state of money as human beings have known it throughout uh, history we've had to use government money, fiat currency. And so Bitcoin is uh, extremely exciting because it's finally this free market alternative to uh, these uh, inferior currencies that we've been using. What I find so beautiful about Bitcoin is the philosophy behind it of its potential to undermine the nation states and their ability to print more money, devalue the currency for everyone, and then use that to wage wars. And that's what people, I think, that's how Bitcoin was introduced to me. I don't know how it's introduced to other people, but for me, it's really about this philosophical perspective and potential for it undermining the nation states. And really that's, that's what we're about. As people, as individuals, bringing humanity back to civilization at the individual level with people actually owning their own money right now people don't have proper they don't own their own money they don't they don't own that property um same thing with with an income tax you have to pay taxes on it you don't own it and this is something that that fundamentally is is missing from uh from from i think the general consensus amongst uh, people yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think um, <clears throat> the way I look at it is they've essentially manipulated uh, what money is. In a sense, money should be a commodity, any any other service or product. Um, and I I view money as just a, a unit of human energy, right? It's just a, it's a unit of human energy. It's a it's a unit of account showing uh, how much work somebody has put into something. So we, we essentially store our value in uh, money and the way the state was able to have so much power, I always talk about war basically. So war is a huge 
way that the state, uh, I, I guess, metastasizes itself and expands. And um, the only way they're they're able to wage these wars is through fiat currency, because you know. For example, the Iraq war costed $6 trillion. And, you know, the US government didn't tax people the amount of $6 trillion. They just created that money out of thin air. They paid for bombs with it, tanks, guns, everything you need for a war, and they got away with it. And, uh, you know, I think if people had to actually pay upfront the taxes that all of these government programs would cost, they would not want any of these government programs. So Bitcoin, you know, on a Bitcoin standard, the state would have 95% less power than it currently has. You know, they wouldn't be able to just create these units of human energy out of thin air and pay for whatever they wanted uh, with it. Yeah, this is a point that Hans Hoppe makes extensively, but I forget who says this, but it's the quote that, do you think, we would have gone to war in Iraq if George Bush had to pay for it out of his own pocket? And the answer is no, there's no chance he could. But the fact that we have this system set up where politicians are able to print money and postpone the, the, the detriment off to the future generations or the future caretakers of our society um, means that they, they look at it as easy money and they can print and they can pay for whatever they want. And it comes into this snowball of a military industrial complex. And I mean, this results in, in, in marriages getting bombed, women and children dying, women becoming widows at the age of 30. And then you have a insurrectionist, uh, not insurrectionist, but uh, um, I think what's that, what's that uh, algorithm? where it's it's 10 minus 2 equals 20 where uh you mean the pareto effect um it's it's i forget what it's called but that the concept being that if you bomb a town uh trying to remove a terrorist organization you're just making more yeah, terrorists it's because called blowback blowback yes. is the term Yes. Yeah, we're basically the CIA came up with this term blowback where we're creating more enemies faster than we can kill them, which yes. obviously it's... makes sense because anybody that was bombing America, we would we would be just as furious at whoever was doing that. So absolutely. But being the world's reserve currency, um, we have the ability to pay for it and to get away with it. And I guess one point that I really am missing with understanding Bitcoin is its potential to become the new world reserve currency. If that's, uh, I guess it's possible, theoretically. Um, but what do you think about that? So uh, I'll, I'll use, I'll actually, I'll tell you what I think through telling you what what another party thinks that's much more credible than I am, okay? Are you familiar with the Winklevoss twins? Um, briefly. Okay, so have you seen uh, that movie about Facebook called The Social Network? I haven't. Okay, so it's basically, it's a movie about how Facebook got created. Um, and in that movie, they show uh, the Winklevoss twins who are basically these, these two twins 
that are like six foot five, just huge buff guys. They were in the Olympics for rowing. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but they sued Mark Zuckerberg for, uh, for stealing the idea of Facebook. Mm. And they won $65 million as a settlement from the lawsuit. Wow. Uh, I believe this was around 2012, 2013. I could be totally off there, but it, it, I believe it was around that time. But uh, most people don't know, but they put a lot of that money into Bitcoin. And now they are literally Bitcoin billionaires and they're, you know, uh, obviously very successful guys that are very well known in the cryptocurrency space. The reason I, I bring them up is they believe that Bitcoin will ultimately replace gold's uh, market cap because gold and Bitcoin are competitors, if you think about it, uh, for stores of value. Gold has been the primary store of value for about 6,000 years. Bitcoin is 10 years old, but it's, it is a more superior store, store of value as far as uh, not being able to be confiscated as easily. It's much more portable than gold. Um, so in order for uh, Bitcoin to replace gold's market cap, Bitcoin would have to be about $500,000 per coin. And the way that math is done is because right now gold, gold's market cap is about $11 trillion. Bitcoin's market cap is about $1 trillion. So you would need about a 10x in price to hit uh, gold's market cap, which would be a $500,000 Bitcoin. That's, that's fascinating. And I think for some people, maybe even some older listeners, they they might even think that there's because gold is 6,000 years old, Bitcoin's only been around 10 years, there's some seniority to gold. And that's why it's a safer investment than Bitcoin. But the issue is gold in the long run is always going to be roughly equivalent to $32, $32 an ounce. And I think there's an interesting perspective that my professor gave was that gold is archaic. You know, we had the technological revolution and this technology of, of computer software is only roughly 30 years old and it's developing exponentially. So really, uh, and I think Mises has a quote that value cannot exist outside our consciousness. Everything is valued by the individual. It's same thing with any, anything. So gold and Bitcoin included. And uh, the technology that we have is going to lead to I guess, ob, uh, obviating gold as a store of value. It's, uh, it's, it's from the dirt we mine it. Like we have these, this new civilized software, uh, using that term loosely, um, that we can mine digitally, electronically, and mine this Bitcoin that cannot be centrally controlled, cannot be produced more of, um, created, any more of there's what 21 billion bitcoin in the world 21 million so 21 million stairs. what's that i said so it's even more stairs yes yes and that's what makes it so beautiful because the amount of money as the prominent economists point out is not necessarily what matters we don't need more money as the central bankers of the federal reserve will tell us we need to keep the inflation rate at three percent annually but that devalues the money yeah which it's is so unreal. 
Yeah, it's so pointless. It's so ridiculous that they've convinced most people that we need inflation. <laughs> it's amazing. That's the biggest scam that the world has ever seen. Yeah, I totally agree. I um, actually, so you brought up Mises. Uh, I'll, I'll come back with another sort of phrase from two actually two phrases from Mises. So Mises actually talked about how um, if there was a way that we could have gold without increasing the production of gold through mining, that would be a more superior form of money. So he didn't believe in, because gold actually has an inflation rate. Most people don't think about this, but gold also gets inflated. Um, it just gets inflated, generally speaking, the least amount compared to other precious metals. So in comparison to silver, silver has uh, an annual production rate of, I believe, from five to ten percent, golds is about one and a half to two percent per year. So it's it's a more scarce precious metal, and therefore that's that's why it was used more as a money because it's more scarce. Um, so me, yeah, Mises talked about you know if there was a way that we could just cut out this inefficient inflation that we have with gold, that would be great. And that's literally Bitcoin. Bitcoin had it. There will never be more than 21 million bitcoin it is the first form of money on the planet we've had that is truly deflationary that cannot have any more uh produced ever um and then another another thing another quote that i actually have pulled up from mises that i use all the time um is basically one in which she talks about how you cannot have competing stores of value so i'll just read the quote um in the theory of money and credit Mises said, uh, thus, there would be an inevitable tendency for the less marketable of the series of goods used as a media of exchange to be one by one rejected until last only a single commodity remained, which was universally employed as a medium of exchange, in a word, money. So basically he's saying it doesn't make any sense for John to hold a certain form of money that Sally isn't willing to accept, but Bob is. It just makes more sense. It's a natural human tendency for us to have different forms of money be used, but ultimately one will outcompete all other forms of money and we will transact in one universally uh, liquid saleable currency, which I believe will be Bitcoin. That's interesting. And I like to think about alchemy too, like, oh, if there was a formula for producing gold uh, out of thin air, then, then what happens to gold? The value would, would plummet because you can create it as easily as anyone else. And with Bitcoin, that, that isn't the case. And what, what an amazing thing it would be if Mises was alive today to see how far we've come with money and technology and get his perspective on Bitcoin. I think that would be something subjectively valuable. Um, also, uh, so I just finished this book, The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean Amos. And uh, one quote that I love that he said is that Bitcoin is 100% verification and 0% trust. Where we're at today is complete trust that yes. the Federal Reserve and the, the federal government will do the right thing for the people, which is what they've been doing. And it, it's not, it's not the case. Um, this veil has been 
uh, this veil has been pulled over our eyes and people I think are beginning to wake up and, and seeing the potential that Bitcoin has for the future and for individuals taking possession and ownership back over someone's own money. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that, that, that's a really great thing about Bitcoin is it can't be, so that's actually one of the most powerful things I think about Bitcoin is it's, it's what's called the trustless, uh, basically trustless technology. And you hear that term thrown around a lot in crypto in general, trustless. So what does that mean? Basically, it means that I don't have to trust uh, the person I'm transacting with in order to uh, transact with them. And so I just, uh, one example, okay, I'll, I'll just use the example of um, uh, running a Bitcoin node. So basically, um, I, Satoshi Nakamoto uh, has a quote where he talks about exactly that. He says, the root problem with central banking is all the trust that's required to make it work. So the, the, the central bank is always trusted to not debase the currency, but history is full of examples where the central bank, the basis of the currency. So with Bitcoin, there's absolutely no trust involved, uh, involved because there's a publicly visible code, which literally any human being can look at and verify for themselves. Um, and on top of that, you have what's called uh, nodes all over the world, right? And all a Bitcoin node is, a node is spelled N-O-D-E, all a Bitcoin node is, is just a computer that has a copy of the blockchain downloaded on it. Uh, and it verifies every single transaction that happens on the Bitcoin blockchain. Okay, and the, the Bitcoin blockchain is more or less a publicly visible record book where everybody can see every transaction that happens. Okay, the reason why this is so significant is we have anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000 different Bitcoin nodes all over the world. Okay, and they're all verifying every single transaction that happens on the Bitcoin blockchain and they update every 10 minutes at the same time. Okay. So in order for Bitcoin to be stopped, if the state wanted to just stop it, they would have to do one of two things. They would either have to shut the internet down, right? Which I don't think is possible. And if that happens, then we're, we're really screwed on a much more grand level. Um, so they would have to shut the internet down or they would have to destroy each and every copy of uh, each and every node on the planet. They would have to go to every single country, every single computer and destroy it, which is basically impossible. So uh, this is much different from gold in the sense that gold, you know, the central bank can say that they hold it, but we don't know how much they hold. We don't know how much they're going to debase fiat currency in comparison to the gold that they're holding. Uh, so it's really it is the complete opposite of the currency we're using today, Bitcoin is. Mm -hmm. And Amos points out in the uh, theoretical ish, um, examples of how to destroy Bitcoin that shutting down the internet would be so chaotic for a society, it would most likely occur in a post-apocalyptic scenario. But as well um, is the fact that Bitcoin doesn't run 
off the internet, like like a traditional website, for example, would. Bitcoin is a software protocol, so it's it 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 can connect to other laptops using the Bitcoin software protocol, and it's not an internet protocol, I believe, which means that even if you don't have internet, the blockchain technology is still operating regardless of the, uh, I guess, in the internet's ability. Um, I, it's very, very rough uh, of an explanation, but, but the concept being that, you know, um, just to shut down the internet doesn't mean you've eliminated Bitcoin. It still is existing. But the, what could become is an issue of its value. Um, if Amos also points out, if, if we go back to a gold standard, then that could destroy Bitcoin because that's what it's competing with. But we don't have a strong gold standard at this moment. That's what leaves this fertile opening for Bitcoin to exist in our society. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that, and, and if we went back to a gold standard, then that's great. I mean, I wouldn't be complaining. I would love that. The thing is, I know eventually they will debase the currency. So even that, even if we go back to a Bitcoin or to a gold standard, there's still a bullish taste for Bitcoin. Um, pertaining to what you were saying about how it's a software, it, it's not like an internet protocol. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And they have, they're even working on developments to where even if the internet was somehow shut down, we would still be able to transact in Bitcoin using uh, mesh networks, which are essentially just private networks that you create with other people. Uh, I think mesh.io, I, I could be off on the website, but if, I think mesh.io is a, a really cool Bitcoin project that they're, they're working on that with. Awesome. Um, another thing I want to bring up is where do you recommend people getting Bitcoin. For me, I was recommended Coinbase, coinbase.com. That's where I buy my my Bitcoin and you can buy other cryptos. Um, is there a, a crypto wallet that you uh, use or, or trust or how do we make this process of, of gaining Bitcoin um, an easier possibility for some people? Uh... Well, luckily it's gotten a lot easier than it was five years ago. Five years ago, I mean, there were a lot of scams happening. There was, other than like Coinbase, there really wasn't much of a reputable place to get Bitcoin from. Now you have tons of companies that you can get it from. Uh, I do not recommend Coinbase. And the reason why is uh, they are very friendly reporting their customer information to the government and I stay wary of that. Um, I, I would recommend for American people, I would recommend a company called River Financial. And the reason why is River has actual human beings that you can speak with, which is pretty cool in my opinion. I have no financial incentive to refer people over to them, even if I, I did whatever, uh, they're a great company. But the fact that you can speak with an actual human being with them, I really like. Um, so yeah, I would, I, would, I would recommend that for Americans. As far as for European people, if any Europeans are listening, 
I sell Bitcoin to European people through the company that I'm with, which is Bitcoin Reserve. Um, so yeah, I would say those are the two major options. Okay, excellent. Yeah. I will look into them. Um, and uh, another quote that I want to bring up from Amos is that the blockchain was the solution to the electronic cash problem. Um, where we're at right now with this digital cash and, and even considering becoming a cashless society, I think that that uh, this is another reason why considering cryptos and specifically Bitcoin is is a necessary intellectual consideration to have because going to a government fiat electronic cash is is still going to be severely devalued even more than than a paper money is it costs 10 cents to make a hundred dollar bill but i mean when you don't even have to print something i think that's very very uh dangerous for a society um i didn't know that it costed 10 cents to make you a hundred dollar bill but no so it's around there it's 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 not more than a dollar yeah that's uh i so yeah i mean if you look at okay where where are we headed as far as the future of our currencies of government currencies let's look at what we have going right now that we can de definitively say is for sure happening we have 80 percent of central according to the bank of international settlements we have 80 percent of central banks on the planet working on their own digital currency initiatives um what this is, is uh, it's going to look a lot like what China has, where China, okay, you look at China, if you disagree with the government, or if you do something that the, you know, the government doesn't want you doing, they can and will shut off your bank account, or they will limit the amount of money you can use. Uh, they will, you know, limit how far you can travel. So, and this is all done because they, they can't use cash. They can literally track every single payment that their citizens, citizens are using, which uh, sounds like uh, a 1984 nightmare. Um, and 80% of central banks are working on that exact same thing, which is pretty, uh, pretty nerve wracking. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think that they're, they've been trying for a long time to eliminate cash. I think uh, the fact that they're saying coronavirus can be spread through cash is such an obvious, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of that, but I've heard that a lot. I think it's such an obvious excuse to try and get rid of cash. You know, we also had the coin shortage. You remember that? The coin shortage we were having due to COVID-19. Um, so they, they definitely don't want us using cash and transacting in something that they cannot track. Um, which I, I think they're going to make it increasingly difficult to own Bitcoin and increasingly more easy to use, uh, mobile payments. What do you think the state trying to restrict and make it more difficult for people to use Bitcoin? looks like uh well so they can go the state can go one of two directions and either way they're kind of screwed which is just so great 
the first one is they can fight Bitcoin. They can try and ban it, which it only hurts their, so it only hurts their citizens, which in turn hurts the state because the state is essentially this parasitic entity which feeds off of the productivity of, of its citizens. Uh, so they can ban it, which won't work because banning things doesn't work. And if you ban it, that actually helps Bitcoin because typically when things are banned, they go up in price. So alcohol went up about three to four times increase in its original price during the prohibition in America. Uh, Nigeria recently banned Bitcoin about three weeks ago, and now it's trading at about 20% higher than its normal market price. And it's still trading. So people are still transacting in it, even though it's not legal, right? Uh, what are some other countries that banned it? I mean, Saudi Arabia banned it and trading volume increased after they banned it. Uh, Pakistan banned it and now their government capitulated, gave up and now currently mines it. Uh, China tried, basically tried to ban it, that doesn't work. So I, they're not able to stop it. They're not able to, you know, if they, they can ban it, but they're not gonna stop it. So that's one option. The other option is just for governments to accept it, is just to accept it, uh, which I think is starting to happen in, in the United States right now. I don't know if you know this, but the mayor of Miami came out uh, last month or two months ago, was it? And said that he wants Miami to be the Bitcoin capital of the country. Well, says he wants wants the 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 you know city of Miami to start working with it, and uh, we have, I believe, over two senators in the United States who are totally pro Bitcoin, who openly speak about how we should use Bitcoin. Um, I, I I just can't picture the United States government banning it at this point. Te the fact that Tesla owns one point five billion of it, to me, it says that they're going to have to start working with it. And at this point, it, it's it's like they they can't. Uh, I think it's too far. It's gone too far for them to say, okay, you can't use it anymore. The more companies accept Bitcoin, the harder it is to have the government restrict it. And as well, I think something that it, that is important to understand and remember is that really the law of the land is what's enforced, not what is dictated to be illegal or legal. So if you have a, a, a mandate that says Bitcoin, Bitcoin is not allowed to be used in this society, well, really, if people don't enforce that, the, the police and, and the KGB and the CIA, then people will use it if they see that there's an issue with their currency. And really all you need is one city like Miami, a small location that really starts to flourish and prosper using a sound currency such as Bitcoin. And then you have a revolution, a monetary revolution all over the world where they see how prosperous this city is becoming because they're not on a fiat currency that's becoming devalued by the day to the minute to the second. They see that there's some prosperity to have in Bitcoin and people, you, it's so hard to put that past people. I really would, I'm, I'm thinking that if the government in the United States tried to outlaw Bitcoin, they would have to create some dogma about 
Bitcoin being dangerous, it, it, it hurting society. And that's just not true. What's happening is the Federal Reserve is, is bending the currency over and hurting it. And that in, in effect hurts the people. Yeah. And uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about the future of money, technology, and civilization. Um, not so optimistic about the state. I think they're, they got a rough road ahead of them. Personally. Yeah, I agree. I'm uh, I'm very bearish on the nation state. You know, it seems that uh, I think I think since Bitcoin exists, it and and you know the direction that it's heading. If this actually does become the world reserve currency, the state will be severely severely diminished. Um, I, I I don't know what they're gonna. I, I will tell you that. They, I mean, they absolutely hate Bitcoin. I mean, it's it, Janet Yellen said uh, last week that Bitcoin is extremely inefficient, which is hilarious because two days later, the Fed system went down. I don't know if you knew about that, but it, it was a whole thing that happened. Janet Yellen called Bitcoin inefficient. Two days later, their system goes down. How funny is that? Um, they don't like it though. I think they're going to try and regulate it uh, a lot but um, let me let me interrupt you real quick this is a quote from um amos's book and it's a direct quote from yellen on bitcoin the fed doesn't have authority to regulate it in any way it's a direct quote they're they're like so just not out 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 gamed by this beautiful decentralized currency they are. I mean, they, they don't have any authority to regulate it. And I, the thing, too, is the Federal Reserve wouldn't be the entity regulating it. And technically, it is, it is regulated to a certain degree because it, it's considered a you know, financial asset. And if you buy it and then make a profit on it and then sell it, you have to pay capital gains tax. But that, you know, that's actually another interesting point I'd like to talk about is how you know, when you, you generally want to really refrain from selling Bitcoin and there's this whole movement behind buying it and never selling it. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the term HODL. Yes. Yeah. HODL is an acronym that stands for hang on for dear life. And uh, this goes back to uh, basically a theory called Gresham's law, which Matt may, you're probably familiar with Gresham's law. Yes. Basically, you know, as you know, it, it, it means uh, bad money will drive out good money. The use of, of uh, so one example is uh, the Roman denarius, which uh, it had about 95% uh, silver content when, when it first came out. And when it was dis discontinued as a currency, it had about 0.5% silver content. So it was largely debased. And uh, what they would do at the time to get more silver is people would clip the edges of the coin and melt down that silver and have more silver and debase the currency. And uh, Gresham's law, the example of this is people would transact in the clipped coins and they would save in the whole coins. Um, and that's what we're seeing today with Bitcoin. A lot of people criticize Bitcoin and say, oh, well, I, I can't buy my cup of coffee with Bitcoin, so it's not money. I totally disagree. I think Bitcoin, I, I don't want to spend my 
Bitcoin at all. I want to save in my Bitcoin because it is the most superior form of money I can put my hands on today. It is. Um, we can look at uh, the example of a man 10, 10 years ago in Florida uh, bought a Bitcoin, spent like 30 bucks on, uh, on a pizza and, and uh, used his Bitcoin. It was worth $30 uh, in Bitcoin at the time 10 years ago. Today, he would be a multimillionaire, easily a multimillionaire. I heard that guy spent 10,000 Bitcoin on the, 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 that pizza, or maybe he got two pizzas out of that. Yeah, I, I hope it was two. I mean, I don't, yeah, it's, um, that, so yeah, I mean, that, that's a great example of how you, you, right now, it's just not a good idea to spend your Bitcoin. And the reason why is people are, it's, are realizing that it has value. It's, it's currently being monetized. And um, to spend something while it's, it's getting price discovery and people are starting to buy into it more and more doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and uh, I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to just transition into basically what we need for Bitcoin to become a ubiquitous currency. So the first step is uh, uh, for it to be a store of value, which is what I mentioned. A bunch of human beings all over the planet are realizing, hey, this stuff actually has value. This paper currency with the all-seeing eye on it uh, loses all of its value, and I don't want to save save in, in this stuff. So I'm just going to buy Bitcoin and wait 10 years and have a lot more money. Um, so people are... are realizing that this thing has value. So that's the first step is for it to be a store of value. The second step uh, for Bitcoin to be fully monetized is for it to be used as a medium of exchange. So, you know, once tons of people own Bitcoin because it's, it's such a superior technology to save in, uh, they will start to transact with each other. So, you know, I need something from you. You need something from me. I accept, we both accept that Bitcoin has value. I'll give you some Bitcoin. You give me whatever product I need. So the medium of exchange, the third and final step for Bitcoin to be fully monetized is for it to be a unit of account. So, you know, instead of denominating things in like gasoline, in the 1950s was 25 cents a gallon. Right now, if you live in California, what is it like $3.50 a gallon? No, it's it's $3.99, $4.410, Yeah, there you go. So even more. Uh, so we denominate things in Bitcoin. And the beautiful thing about this, and I would love to hear your perspective on this, is if you denominate things in a form of money that's deflationary, like, you know, it could be like gold or like Bitcoin, everything gets cheaper over time. Imagine that, imagine everything getting cheaper over time. Right now, everything gets more expensive over time. So, I mean, that's just, that is extremely exciting to me to think about. Absolutely. Uh, with Bitcoin, it's divisible by, what is it, 100 million each Bitcoin? Uh, so the smallest unit uh, that a Bitcoin can be divisible to is eight decimal, uh, places. So it would be 0.00000001 Bitcoin. And that, that unit is called a Satoshi. Right. And uh, that's what's beautiful about that is that 
again, the quantity of money is not what's important for goods and services. Um, it just, it, it's a, it's a signal of a price and that's dynamic, but with technology being a deflationary force, this drives prices down. You look at televisions when they first were invented to today, uh, they're, I guess, factoring in inflation, they're way cheaper than when they were first invented. And with Bitcoin, a sound currency with the, what 21 million Bitcoin, that's going to be finished mined in the year 2140, roughly. Yep. You'll have a currency that can provide a civilization with the sound means of, of what's the term infinite prosperity. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the ironic thing is in order for human beings to be the most prosperous uh, as possible, we need to, we need to operate on uh, a scarce monetary system which which we've been deprived of for such a long time which is just insane most people don't know but like you know over 20 percent of us dollars currently in existence were created in the year 2020 which is just bogus <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what that effect will be on the prices of goods if that is even like in an equation of calculating inflation you know i i, I really uh, don't understand that as far as how i mean prices adjust but over time and and uh not equally um you know but uh i mean does that mean we'll have like a 40 percent general increase in prices i mean i i don't I, one thing i think of in this is are, are you are you familiar with the cantillon effect um cantillon how do you say it yeah, yeah, uh, but I forgot what it was. So please remind it's me. It's basically like the theory that the people to first receive newly created money will benefit from it. And then the people who last receive it will be the ones who are more or less screwed yes. over. Yeah. yeah, so if if you don't mind, I would like to explain the, the Cantillon effect. Uh, essentially, when you have this newly created money, it is distributed to the banks the big banks. And so the big bankers and the friends of the banks are the first receivers of the newly created money. They're able to take that new money and either loan it out or spend it at, while prices are still low. Now, this new money creates a, an, incre an artificial increase in demand. And so as demand is distributed amongst the goods and services that are offered for consumers um, and investments, this drives the prices up. Now, once this newly created money is spent and is turned over into multiple hands and, and the velocity of the money increases, the late receivers of the money um, are no better off because now they, once they receive this money, the prices have already gone up. And so they're behind and their, their money is now devalued. Um, I think that's more or less the, the Cantillon effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a very uh, it's a very articulate way to put it. I I didn't think about that before. How it's creating a false sense of demand in the market because there are more dollars. Well, that's what leads into the business cycle of you know these loans of the newly created money 
are are loaned out for investments that are not sound off market demand um, and they're able to prosper for some time but prices do adjust and then that's when you have the 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 boom part of the uh, or the bust part of the the crack up boom uh, cycle and this is a recession and and businesses have to close but this is actually contrary to to you know popular belief this is a healthy part of the market process and um in the prices adjusting to the amount of money in a society so the recession is is the healthiest part of an inflationary boom uh, created by the government um but with with gold with bitcoin with bitcoin more than gold you don't have that because it's set the inflation is visible it's accounted for you don't have a surprise trillion of dollar increase in stimulus that just doesn't happen but that happens under a fiat currency and uh that's that's what's unfortunate and as mises said the i think not verbatim but the most harmful people to a society are the inflationists that's a fantastic quote it's a very true quote it's uh I had the idea of writing an article that talks about how uh, inflation has such, has such a big effect on like social degradation. And um, to me, I mean, I understand a lot of people have problems with American society in the 1950s. Like I, I get it, it wasn't a perfect time to live, but economically speaking, it was much easier for people to save and people had, uh, the, the, the quality of life was, was generally much better than it is now. And like, it just, it really affects pe- money is like, it's, it's a matter of life and death with wars. It's a matter of, you know, happiness within families. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it to me, it just, I, I look at it as it's currency, right? It's the current currency. It's, uh, it's, it's this thing that flows through all human beings on the planet. And if the money has been, has been corrupted, then it's going to affect people a lot. Um, I mean, w- one thing I think about is the family unit, where before, you know, when we had more of a sound money, one person had to work a full-time job you know, the other parent should stay at home and spend quality time with the family instead of just, you know, you don't see each other at all during the day. The whole family comes home. Everybody's tired. Everybody sits in front of the TV. Everybody eats food that's bad for them. You know, like it, it just, I, I, I think, you know, with, with the massive inflation that happened in the seventies, we can for sure say that divorce had a pretty sharp increase in the seventies. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's an, an exact correlation or, but I, I think that's, that's an interesting, significant thing that should be related, but um, it just affects so much, you know, it affects uh, a, a lot of things. So I think if the world were on a Bitcoin standard, we, we would have uh, a lot happier people. People would have more time to spend with their families, more time to do things they love instead of, this rat race economy that they've created now where 
because of the Federal Reserve's uh, manipulation of the interest rates where they just lower the interest rates down to zero, it incentivizes spending and takes away the incentive to save. And if you can't save, you can't plan for the future. And how are you gonna have you know, people our age, millennials, how are we gonna have families if we can't plan for the future? So I, I just, it's such an important thing. It's amazing that we're not taught about how money functions when we're in school. And uh, I would have much less hope for humanity if Bitcoin didn't exist. I saw this video recently on YouTube. It was titled, How Americans in the 1980s and 90s Viewed Savings. And they said, they, it, it varied, but they said, oh, you save uh, annual uh, salary of your income, or you save uh, a, a half a year's work of your income. And then some people are like, oh, I'm awful with savings. And today, you know, everyone and their grandmother and their dog are all into stocks. And I think it was a, a Warren Buffett quote that said, once everyone's investing in stocks, that's when you got to be concerned. And people just are not able to save the same way. Um, they have to invest their money into the stock market because, because when the when the money is devalued, people are encouraged to consume what they can now because they know that they may not be able to consume it in the future. And that's why stocks being a radical investment is something people seriously are considering and entering into. And we are most definitely losing the soundness of our money, but also of society. You're, you're right on with money being, you know, um, uh, I think it was another Mises quote, but it's, it's money is the central nervous system to either to an economy or to a society, but they're one in the same thing. And, you know, depression is up. Uh, happiness is down. Um, and we have so many influencing factors, political ones that are not helping. What we genuinely need is this um, progression into a sound money. We can't regress. Uh, we have to move forward and we have to, we have to, we have to get the sound money back because this is eroding our society. You look at ancient Rome, it decayed because of invader invading tribes. Yes. But also because they devalued their money, they had hyperinflation and tried to implement price controls. And this, this completely destroyed their society. And they were an ancient empire, the, the strongest and one of the most vast empires of all time. And America is as strong, but has as big of a, of a, you know, a national debt issue that no one really wants to talk about. And um, it's not pretty and it won't be in the short run. But, but again, there's so much optimism to be had for people, for Bitcoin, for civilization. I, I really believe that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think, um, I mean, we're definitely a modern day realm. I think mm, a lot of people would agree with that. But um, I don't want to be the doomsday guy, but I, I think the average person on the street has no idea how bad things can potentially get. I'm not saying it's going to be like the Weimar Republic where everybody's, you know, 
like trying to spend their money as fast as they can. And we have wheelbarrows of, of money just to buy bread. But I mean, you literally have, I mean, the United States is doing like banana Republic level money printing without experiencing banana Republic, you know, effects. And uh, we're able to do that because the, the world reserve currency um, but I, I just, it's such a, it's such a uniquely bad situation with the debt that we're in, not only in the United States, but globally. So according to the, inter, uh, I believe it's in Institute of International Finance, the IIF, they say that we're about $277 trillion in global debt. Hmm. Um, and basically we have all of that debt because the United, you know, the United States is the world reserve currency and the more dollars that the United States prints, the more inflation pretty much the entire world has because they operate on the U S dollar essentially. So uh, we're, we're in a situation where, you know, I, I, I just, I, I can't picture I can't picture them being able to do this for much longer where they just print all this money without any serious consequences. Uh, and when that happens, I think Bitcoin is going to go up a lot, a lot in price. Um, so we'll see. Well, the biggest export the United States has is inflation. So I think a good signal for recognizing when, when inflation in the United States and prices will come is when we start to see it in other countries. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I it's 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 a it's a take to say that we're gonna pay off the debt, and it's another take to say that this money will become obsolete. Um, but you know, you are you and I cannot predict the future, and uh, I mean, we can learn from history, but so so let me tell you. Um... As far as, I'll give some hope here. Uh, as far as uh, Bitcoin being monetized right now, four year, Bitcoin generally goes in, a lot of people say that Bitcoin goes in four year cycles. The last cycle, we had a high of about $20,000. We basically just began this cycle. And the last high we had in this new bull run was $58,000. Uh, I, I, I personally think it's going to be much, much higher within a year to two years. But, uh, but if you look at the recent wave of adoption that Bitcoin has been having, it's spectacular. So uh, there have been a long, many people don't know this, but there have been a, a long string of corporations that have been buying it as a part of their cash reserves for the last uh, eight months, I would say. Uh, so I'll, I'll just go down that list. The first uh, corporation to buy Bitcoin was a publicly traded company called MicroStrategy. And uh, MicroStrategy is one of the largest business intelligence companies in the world. And uh, currently they hold over $1.3 billion in Bitcoin. Uh, and their CEO uh, was sitting on $500 million in cash reserves and said the way he described it, he said he, he felt like he was having all of his money in a melting ice block. 
You know, he talked about the same things we're talking about now, how inflation is just absolutely insane this year. Over 20% of US dollars that, that are in existence have been created in the year 2020. So, you know, from a, a corporate perspective, it does not make financial sense to hold fiat currency right now. It just doesn't. So he, he put that money in Bitcoin. And after that, once, you know, a publicly traded corporation put Bitcoin in its cash reserves, sold US dollars for Bitcoin. I mean, from there, it's like, okay, now, now this thing's pretty legit. Now other people can start doing the same thing. So what did we see after that? We saw Square buy $50 million in Bitcoin. Square is Jack Dorsey's company. Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Twitter, uh, who, by the way, believes that Bitcoin will be the, the primary currency of the internet the native currency of the internet. The CEO of Twitter believes that. Uh, so anyway, Square bought 50 million. They recently bought uh, about 150 million more. So now they have about 200 million. After Square, uh, we had a company called Stone Ridge Holdings Group. That's another publicly traded company in the United States. They hold over 115 million. They're currently buying more. Um, after Stone Ridge Holdings, you had Mass Mutual, which Mass Mutual is a 170-year-old insurance company with $30 billion in revenue per year. So that, that I mean, it, it's, it's an insurance company too, which generally they want to play things a little on the safer side if they're an insurance company. They bought $100 million in it. I get that $100 million is very small compared to $30 billion in revenue, but the fact that this is happening tells me, you know, there, there's a common trend here. And uh, the last and most recent corporation to adopt it, to actually buy it, was Tesla, which, uh, like I said, Tesla has over $1.5 billion in it. Um, so... At this point, I mean, what does this say? Okay, it says it says that huge corporations are finally recognizing the fact that Bitcoin is a legitimate and viable form of money. They're recognizing that the US dollar and any other fiat currency is a horrible place to store your value. And uh, I, I think with all of these things happening, there's no way Bitcoin can, can go to zero at this point. So that's beautiful. And as we're speaking, currently Bitcoin is at $46,000. And uh, I think that's the trend, you know, companies and corporations start to buy Bitcoin. And who's to say that people and these companies can't just switch over to it. And this just dissolves the, the Federal Reserve and, and the government. But, you know, throughout history, people have been um, money, different monies, have been become obsolete and different entities and people have become obsolete uh, as a perspective. But um, uh, is there anything else you would like to mention? Um, I know we're running out of time here. Um, and, and where can people find you? Or uh, before where people can find you, uh, is there any other point uh, you would like to make? Uh, I would say even if you're a Bitcoin skeptic, uh, all Bitcoin skeptics have been wrong so far. 
Uh, if you're very skeptical on Bitcoin, there's you can just look up on Doodle. You go on Doodle, you put in Bitcoin obituaries. And there's a website that shows almost 400 news articles claiming that Bitcoin will die and go to zero. And the first one of those news, news articles was from when Bitcoin was about 10 to 15 cents. So there are a lot of haters with Bitcoin who don't believe in it. Uh, I always tell people you may want to just have some just in case you're wrong, you know. Um, so yeah, I'd buy Bitcoin. I mean, j again, just just in case you're wrong, like you may want to have some, because um, the the potential for this to just massively increase in price and value is uh, very great, and it's a, it's just a really exciting thing because we have a form of money that that can tangibly make our world a much more peaceful place, much more prosperous place happy place and this form of money also has the potential to make the people who hold it considerably wealthy in my opinion so I, that's that's like the best of both worlds um so if you want to find me i have a twitter i love twitter i'm very active on twitter and my username is andrew underscore j underscore howard uh, and if you want to, if you're a European and you want to buy Bitcoin, I can help you do that. Uh, the company I'm with is called Bitcoin Reserve. So I tell people, if you think of the, the Federal Reserve, just take out the word federal and then put Bitcoin and that's, that's us. So, and I, I greatly appreciate you having me on Matt. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I love it. Thank you, Andrew. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Man. Later. Later.